I'm Kyle Branshaw, and I'm joined here, as always, with my dear friend, Abner Lee. Uh, Hello. Some of you may know this is the 95 Google podcast. Longtime listeners will know that anyway, but uh, it's been on hold for a little bit, and we decided that there is never a better time to bring back Alphabet Scoop than the one time of the year when there is so very much to talk about, and that is Google I.O. Indeed, indeed. So let's just jump right in. Uh, Google I.O. was last Wednesday. We're recording on a Monday. We've had a few days, a weekend to digest everything. Uh, So yeah, let's just dive right in into the biggest thing, um, AI. Uh, That was the overwhelming theme of Google I.O. 2023. And I think they they started it on a good note. They always like to do Google Photos because that's a fun, relatable thing. And uh, the example they did was Magic Editor. Um, basically, it's advanced Photoshop skills in which you can move uh, the subjects around. Uh, you can reposition, uh, adjust the composition of a photo, basically. Um, I would say that in itself, like you can, you've always, people have been able to do this with Photoshop and other tools, but now it's just automated with the power of generative AI. And yeah, I think this is, this was the early crowd freezer. And I'm not sure if I'll use this, but I don't know, Kyle, what do you think? I mean, I do a lot of these goofy things often enough that maybe I would, and this would just be an easier tool to do it with. But I'm actually a little suspicious because it seems a little too good to be true. Like Mm. um, removing the fence from the foreground of an image. Remember that demonstration we did at like IO, was that 18 or 17? And it just never happened. Yeah. I I could see this being in the same camp. Oh, I th- they the fence the the infamous fence example was absolutely an ex- an example of them being too ambitious. Um, I to be less pessimistic, I would say that they did have that example working in the lab, um, but they could never. Maybe they were assuming that they would get the kinks out um, by the time they launch it. And that they could announce announce it safely at I.O., but it never got to that point. I think with Magic Editor, this seems much further along, um, building on like Magic Eraser. Um, I think this is much a bit further along than the infamous fence example. And I think I think they can execute here. You're right, you're right. I, I'm just not sure if it's going to be this year, because I feel like anything mm. that is coming soon got an onstage demo, where this was, here's what it can do using very specific pre-generated examples. They didn't demo it live on stage mm. like uh, some of the other very AI true. tools. And they didn't even show off the UI. They didn't show off the, they didn't show off the basic UI for this. Um yeah, so officially this is launching into preview um, on select Pixel devices, which I don't know if that's code for the Pixel 8 coming come this fall, but to your point, I could definitely see that like 
that they launch quote unquote this feature like in December in this coming December with like only a few people having access to it. I think that might be a scenario the scenario we have. Um, but to what you were saying, yeah, the other examples Google showed off were so much closer to being final products. Um, I think I think uh, with workspace, that was the most imme- one of the mo- most immediate places that people will get to experience this kind of stuff. And like uh, at the end of last week, they rolled out the help me light in Gmail and Docs to many more people. And at IO, they previewed um, image generation in Google Slides as well as Google Meet to make custom backgrounds. That didn't get any stage time though. And there are sheets being able to make automatic uh, spreadsheets, basically. Uh, I think that example, some people find it extremely useful because making sheets is generally hard sometimes. But I think it was less flashy than image generation. Certainly. But I think the one thing that's really clear here is that none of these tools are doing anything new. It's more about making the AI generation more accessible. Like Mm -hmm. uh, all throughout the keynote and the dev keynote, it, it seemed like Google was finding any example of here's a text box. Okay, now you can generate AI for that text box, whatever that text box may be. So... Uh, or in or image generation in the case of slides and all that it, it's these are existing capabilities that many tools have already been doing now Google's just making them a little bit more accessible which isn't a strong showing but especially given the early impressions people have had of Bard I don't know mm-hmm. hmm interesting yeah it's I'd agree with that and I think the the problem I see Pro- I, I know this is this is broader discussion about the usability of like large language mo- large language models inherently require you to enter prompts and sometimes it's just hard to fill a box to to know what you want to do like in an ideal world like lot LLMs by design that you can just phrase what you're think you can just type out what you're th- thinking. And it'll be able to generate something for you. But I think the really interesting in Google and recognizing that it's sometimes hard to to even know the right prompt, they introduced this sidekick feature. Um, it's a side panel for well, everything in all the AI in workspace will be branded as something called Duet AI. And this sidekick uh, UI, which appeared um, on the web right next to your profile picture which I think is like a very interesting emphasis on how you're collaborating you're supposed to collaborate with um, AI in Google's world um, you 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 get this side panel that summarizes your document and suggests prompts for you and that you can enter your own text I think that's one of the more interesting UIs for this 
Yeah, it's almost a, a user education tool in its own way because it's teaching you how to use AI. You may not necessarily need to be given prompts all the time forever, but in this initial in this initial stage where people are just getting started using AI tools for the first time, they don't know what to put in the box. They don't know how to get an output that looks like something they would want. So yeah, that's, mm-hmm. it is cool that they're feeding the prompts to you a little bit to show you what a good prompt looks like. Mm. I'm, I'm kind of curious how all this translates to mobile UIs, to mobile apps, because almost everything they showed was on the web. Um, we, we know what uh, Help Me Write looks like in Gmail for Android. Actually, we don't know what it looks like in Docs. They haven't really shared that UI, and I don't think we've encountered it um, yet. But I'm really interested interested in how they translate all these large screen UIs into mobile, into a single column mobile UI. Um, I don't know if it's overlays or if there's a dedicated space on the in the app, but yeah, I think I'm actually really curious how how these AIs translate over to mobile. Um, yeah, the the easiest way they could have done it would have been to integrate through G, uh, integrate through Gboard, but mm. that would be such a privacy thing because that's everything that you type anywhere on your phone except incognito windows, like. Mm. Uh, Oh, we are two seconds away from like plugins for Gboard or something like that. Mm. Gboard becoming like a platform for all this stuff would be interesting. Right, because it's already there. Like it's your keyboard. It's how you type. You're there to type everything. So it's it's perfect for being everywhere, but it's also terrible in a privacy sense because it is everywhere. So that's every message you write in every app. That's every, it would need to look at the text in all of those apps to even get the context. And yeah, Gboard would be where I'd want to put it because that's kind of the UI, or at least that location is the UI that uh, Google messages used, for example. Mm Mm-hmm. The suggestion yeah, kind of board suggestion row is like a natural place for that. That too. That too. Yeah. So yeah, that was workspace, which I think is how most people will interact with AI first, and I think that that's where Google's advantage in the field will really show because so many people use workspace products. Uh, but a close second, or in fact the first, would be search um, AI in search, which. Um, which Google is calling the search generative experience. It's basically, again, they on the web. Um, well, they also showed it on mobile in this case. Directly beneath the search bar, you'll get this new AI snapshot space that shows just generated responses with a color background. That's how they're going to provide an immediate answer to you, a generated answer to you. And this is, the scale of this is, that's going to be a big change for everybody. No joke, especially like Google had to show this to be able to stay competitive against Bing, which is a wild thing to even think about that Google had to stay competitive against Bing, but it needed to be done because I think in, if, 
if Bing didn't do what they did and if they didn't integrate it so quickly and roll it out so quickly, I think we wouldn't have seen a lot of these things, but especially the search generative experience until later this year at some event like Google Search On. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's... And according to rumors, uh, the SGE is codenamed Magi. There's supposed to be something else coming down the pipeline, uh, according to one of those uh, handful of rumors before IO. Um, but yeah, this is the first take. And honestly, I'm surprised at how comprehensive this is. I've, I thought Google, Google is going to be not as... I don't know, matured, but this seemed to me, the SGE seems pretty, well, matured. They have a full thought out idea on how to implement generative AI in search. I I honestly wasn't expecting that yet, as, as you were saying, but I don't know. It's people like getting one answer. That's the truth of it. That's what Google, Bing, and others are tapping into. And I don't know, I think this, for better or worse, seems to be the future. Yeah, it's just interesting the way that it works or the way that it kind of flies against some of the things that are... It's interesting interesting in the way that it seems to be Google doubling down on some of the things that it's gotten fussed at before like uh, a lot of websites and webmasters and companies like Yelp have been complaining about the way that Google keeps people on the website instead of driving people driving traffic elsewhere and out of Google search where a generative AI thing like this I mean assuming one can assume that there will be cited sources like how Bing does but and Bard Bing and Bard both do that uh that's this is just one more step of keeping people in google search like if you can just type in the question to google search and you get one answer you're going to just use that one answer instead of going further out Uh, there's a bit of a chicken and egg to this though um like who was google responding to use demand in terms that users just want one answer or is google with featured snippets responsible for training users to expect one answer. It's a real chicken and egg thing. And I don't know, it's going to be a wild future figuring it out. As long as uh, the answers are intelligent and relevant, I, I think that this is still going to be a positive over the current like SEO madness that uh, Google search is going through right now. So hopefully yeah. this will work out for the better. Yeah, it's I I don't know. I think we're going whip I think for all of this to work at some point um search engines might have to pay uh licensing fees. I know that's something that other countries are doing already. Um if news appears in certain Google search, you have to pay Google has to pay a license fee. But I don't know if that's like the inevitable future of generated content of whatever you're training. And and that's, a, again, it's a broader question right now, but I don't know if that's the future we're heading to at this point to, um, to sustain the content that's powering these generative AIs if we eventually need that some kind of arrangement there. And that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, that's search. It's um, 
it's entering testing the next few months. You can sign up for it with the labs. Um, it's so in the U.S. Uh, it's so prominent. It's on the it's on the top left corner of the Google app, Android, iOS, and it's on the Chrome new tab page. It's it's really prominent. Google really wants people to experiment with this, and I think that's ooh, that's pretty explicit and pretty bold. That again, I'm surprised that that they're this far along that they're ready for people to test. So that's going to be interesting. But yeah, that's search. Um, something a wee bit more fun is Magic Compose. Which one's Magic Compose again? Is that the uh, in, Google Messages one? It's in Google Messages. And yeah, okay. these names, they're going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at our run sheet and I'm seeing Magic Compose in here twice, which means that we got, even we got confused at one point and put the Google, could put this Google Messages name for Google Photos. <laughs> so, yeah, yes, it's, it's, it's a very confusing thing that Google's done here. Yeah, it's, it's, again, I've, I, I have said that this should all be called Assistant, but we're not doing that yet. They're not doing Magnus that Google, yet. Google, you, you make a good point because Google didn't say the word assistant even once. I'm not sure, but like definitely heart did not make assistant a, a prominent uh, placement anywhere in the keynotes. They did not. No, but rather we have Magic Compose and I don't know, it seems fun. The ability to... I mean, it's basically the help me write feature in Gmail, but in a shortened, in a much shorter, funner message message format. So I think people will find this fun, but there's going to be a point where like, did you really write this? That's going to be annoying. At the very least, the messages are of a short enough length that people should have at least read the thing before they tapped it rather than just... <laughs> immediately choosing yeah. the first one but i mean you could already tell before when it was just a smart reply smart. like yeah I, I can always tell when my friend texts me back by just tapping a, one of the auto replies on his galaxy watch i'm like that man did not message me he he uh, gave me a galaxy watch thumbs up i'm sure of it <laughs> i feel that so much in gmail when people just i can tell when you respond with smart reply i i it, it's pretty obvious in hindsight, but yeah, that's 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 like the fun. That was a pretty fun feature, um, and equally fun was uh, cinematic emoji and generative AI wallpapers. Um, I don't know cinematic and emoji. I, is that really generative AI? Well, there's no, elements. I don't, of I don't it, think either but, of those. I mean, maybe there's a little bit in the cinematic one, but the yeah, cinematic one is mostly the using the depth, the depth of data from your photo, and it just kind of works. And something that Google Photos already does um, with the memories feature. So that's existing technology. Um, but yeah, that's coming next month. But the generative AI wallpapers um, coming this fall, I guess, uh, presumably with the Pixel 8 yeah, that's bold. I, that's that's beyond. Uh, like, if you look at an AI generated image, you can most of the time tell that it's an AI generated image unless it's by a really good model. And I guess Imogen, uh, Google's image generation thing, is 
pretty on par with uh, some of the best ones out there. So I guess, but that's just like a, a big vote of confidence from Google to actually put that as wallpapers because wallpapers are something that you look at constantly and wallpapers are something that you care about a whole lot more in the current Android era because of Material U. So again, big vote of confidence from Google on that. At the same time, if the AI messes up, you can just call it abstract and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, Gen, a- Gen AI wallpapers, that's presumably this fall, Android 14. Uh, speaking of which, uh, the Android section, well, it wasn't as big of a section compared to generative AI, let's say, but the, the historical Android section... Um, Android 14 was only mentioned once in the context of lock screen clocks and shortcuts, um, two features that we have been tracking since 13 QPR3, but as making, well, lock screen shortcuts we've been tracking uh, pretty early. But uh, lock screen clocks, they're coming. They're finally coming. This years in the making, honestly. Yeah, I want to say it was Android 10 that we were first looking at at, uh, lock screen clocks. It it has been a while, and it seemed like they had just given up on it and then applied the work that they did to Wear OS instead. And Mm. now it's coming back to phones, I guess, just in response to iOS. Um, Yeah. I don't really care about this. It's fine. I'm, I'm glad it's there for those who do care. It's just it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, it's... like. It does not look like lock screen clocks appear to be reflections of the Pixel brand or the OEM brand rather than something like Google's opening up in the Play Store, for example. It Maybe this is just early days and they're starting with their own set of stuff, but there are no like APIs for developers to plug into. Um, not yet anyways, but it seems to be that this is just like an expression uh, like the pixel design another expression of oem design and that's fine for now but i'm sure people users will want it opened up eventually yeah i'm sure there's a pattern for that to happen like uh, all the themes that pixel phones used to have like you used to be able to change your icon shape and the color mm-hmm. the accent color of everything like that that was all official things and then they eventually opened it up except icons i think that's just locked in now but whatever yeah icons should be circles and it annoys me that samsung doesn't use circles but anyways but yeah lock screen <laughs> clocks that is like the the one big temple of android 14 that we got um which it's coming from past years where the Android portion was huge. Um, it was surprising, but they did announce other features. Um, they did talk about other features for the ecosystem in general. And what they highlighted was tablet, opt- tablet optimizations for apps, more Wear OS apps, and the Find My expansion, which is coming this summer. Yeah, I'm really excited about this Find My expansion, finally being able to use... Uh bluetooth trackers and being able to locate missing headphones and uh it was really good to see that tile was included too because we weren't sure about that from uh from our sourcing but uh it's really good to see that tile was included because that's a, a big brand uh yeah they're opening it up 
Yeah, it's good Basically. to see that they're they're making it more accessible and making it more useful rather than only working online. Like, oh, okay, my phone is online. It has its SIM card in it. There is cell service. Okay, I can locate it. Where versus now, <clears throat> you can locate it just about anywhere with Bluetooth, so long as another Android device in the network spots your device. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty exciting devices. To it's 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 a wide network, and it's probably inevitable when Apple announced their equivalent their equivalent network. So uh, the platforms are Android's getting on is getting feature parity in this regard. Um, so yeah, that's that was the big thing coming this summer, independent of OS release by the looks of it. Uh, Google Play services powered. Um, but yeah, that's I don't know Android fourteen. It's we in sessions we got features like ultra HDR still images, which I'm really surprised Google didn't announce that during the main keynote because that's it's like an obvious cloud pleaser. Um, I don't know. In sessions we got some privacy and security stuff, like partial screen sharing. Uh, the material you talks gave us the monochrome and contrast themes, but other than that, it's Android fourteen. We don't know what's a what's officially going to be in it. What's the big stuff is? If there are any other tent poles besides lock screen customization, right? And that's usually something that Google talks about a lot ahead of time. Uh, there, as you mentioned, it's usually a, an entire section of Google I.O. is whatever that year's Android release is because I.O. has been like the Android event each year. And this year, that just wasn't the case. It, it took a, a firm backseat to AI. I, I, I'm, the question I'm left with is when does Google have another chance to talk about Android 14 before release? Because the, the, the only other major event that I can think of is the Dev Summit, which is going to be probably in October or something, which is months after Way the after. release is expected to hit, which is in August. And honestly, um, just from from what Google said on stage and the way that the, the timing of these things has worked before, that Dev Summit is probably going to be focused more on the big XR push for Android rather than being anything about Android 14. Yeah, I'm really surprised we didn't get more on XR, uh, which... So earlier this year, Google, Samsung, and Qualcomm announced that they're working, all working on their... XR platform. Uh, It'll be powered by a Qualcomm chip in a Samsung headset, running an an optimized version of Android. Um, That got, we only got a tease about it saying that there's going to be more this year. But I don't know, my big thinking going into this was that they would do the developer story at IO, obviously, and they would let they would detail, I don't know, basic UI, building tools, but we got none of that. And that makes me think that the initial release is just going to be with some limited partners or and that like we won't get a full developer moment for this until next IO. I am not sure I agree. I think the Dev Summit has a chance to be that at the very least, because I think that's what, mm-hmm. um, that's where, isn't that where 12L and foldables were first talked about? Was that a Dev Summit? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, Dev Summit. So, 
I, I could see I could see them doing a similar thing, just putting doing a big XR push at this year's Dev Summit, which again brings me back to the question: When are they going to talk about fourteen? I I don't know <laughs> when they're going to have a chance. Yeah, it's I don't know, I, like the I guess you could say that it's since the lines between what's an Android feature and what's a Pixel feature is so blurred that I I I don't. I don't know, even making that argument, it sounds like so, like Android stature is being decreased uh, rather significantly in that regard. But I don't know. It's, again, we don't know what's new in Android 14, and we usually get 10 poles at IO. So it'll be. And, and even from the perspective of our APK Insight team, for example, like we, we dig into each of these releases and we look for every little thing and nothing seems obvious yet. Usually beta one or beta two will have something that shows sign of something happening. Yeah. And not, it and just doesn't seem to be there yet, which is confusing and suspicious. And it makes like a lock screen clocks again it, to the idea that this is a pixel edition rather than a platform edition because Samsung they've off, they've offered that kind of customization for a long time now and I guess it's just um, the pixel doing catch up so yeah um, similar thing is Wear OS 4 um, we don't know a lot about it it's entered developer preview last week um, it's going to be more battery efficient uh, there's a new watch face format with Samsung um Backup, you'll be able to backup and restore finally. Uh, we're kind of surprised it's, it requires Wear OS 4 because uh, Google has been working on this for a bit in Prey services. So it's surprised that we're waiting until that to get it. But yeah, again, like in Wear OS 4, we don't know that much uh, besides that it's coming later this year. I think some, one of the th- uh, blog posts said this fall. But other than that, it's again we don't know what the tentpole features are. Um, I don't know. It's there's not much in using it and using it in the emulator. I don't know. There's there's not a lot. No, I mean the the two things that are there could be important. Like uh, for one, there's there's Material U uh, with some effort, uh, hmm. which you. By the time this podcast airs, you should have re- you may have uh, seen the headline about that on Nine Five Google. It hasn't gone up yet, but we'll see. Uh, there's a, a, an <laughs> interesting in- implementation of Material U and its dynamic color system on there, matching to your current watch face, whatever that may be. Uh, combine that with the new watch face format, which should help open up uh, Wear OS to more customization because developers can just make the face and release it. They don't have to optimize it, as it were, because Android will do that for it. So that's cool. And is developer E, and that was a good reason to show it off at I.O., and it's more than I can say about Android 14. But yeah, yeah. it doesn't... uh, there's nothing too user-facing yet, but I think a lot of that's going to come from a lot of that's going to come from the implementation of, of each individual watch, though, too. Yeah, it's uh, the Pixel has their own take on the OS. Samsung has its own take on the OS, so it's very much going to be um, device-specific. Uh, 
it's it's running Android 13. It takes everything that's been announced in Android 12 and 13 and upgrades the Wear OS 3 from Android 11. So that's overdue. Um, but yeah, it's... I, again, it's this is just the preview one. I'm sh- there's many more features that are OEM specific, but at this point, not a lot yet. And yeah, in terms of developer announcements, Kyle, what did you find interesting? What's your like top developer announcement? I feel like I know the answer here. So I think the coolest developer thing that they released is probably Cody, which is this like. I mean, is it the coolest thing? Maybe not just because uh, GitHub has done this with Copilot and Amazon has done this with CodeWeaver, but Google's Cody is uh, really good in the way that it is able to AI generate uh, new code. It's able to AI generate um, based on your code rather than using code from the internet, which has different like copyright issues and things like that. Like you have to... Yeah, this will be good for companies. It'll also be good for people who want to feel better about their open source code. And also, it's nice that it's able to just write code that looks like your code. So I'm kind of I'm kind of excited with the way that that's going to go. But um, I mean, Jetpack had some cool stuff going on, like Compose for TV looks cool. I was surprised we didn't hear anything about Android TV, especially because we had... Um, like we, we reported about a, a new Android TV uh, developer device. No sign of that here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there were, there were a lot of different things, but I think Cody was the, the one thing that like developers are actually going to get to use, unless you live in the European Union, of course, in which case you don't get to use any Google AI whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, it's the develop- IO is a developer conference. The I would say go, coming out of this I.O., the developer sentiment hasn't been overwhelming. Um, I know Android Studios, this, what is it, StudioBot, it's called, officially? Yes, yeah, the, StudioBot. The, the reception hasn't been overwhelming. Um, it's, I don't know, it's not there yet. It, what Google wants the main story to be is AI and AI-benefiting developers, but I don't... I think this is more indicative of it's still early or maybe Google hasn't established, they haven't set in stone what their strategy is yet. I, It's how generative AI applies to Android, to Chrome, its core platforms. I don't think that story is there yet because these platforms are by design mature and like any check, you can't, the ch- you can't make significant changes to them just yet at 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 will, basically. So it's it's still early days in Google's favorite parlance. But yeah. Um so moving out of that software side, let's get into the hardware side. And the Pixel 7a officially launched. Kari, you've been using it for uh, over a week, well over a week, almost two. Um, how is it for you? It the colors the well you can you can see some of the colors in stores, but the the charming coral orange one is only online at the Google Store. And but I've seen it in person, and it's absolutely delightful. And it does make me 
want to go for my Pixel 7 to my 7a just for the colors for a few months. Um, maybe I would have if the Pixel 4 wasn't happening, but um, how has the 7a been for you? You know, I've really liked it, and uh, part of it is just my own laziness, but I have not yet switched back to the Pixel 7 Pro. I, that, mm. that was my main phone for months and months and months, and I just haven't switched back yet because I just... I'm like, this one works fine. Why would I swap? It's it's working just fine. I mean, yeah. I, I, I will say that the battery issues have popped up a little bit for me, but it's not every day, and I'm not having anything like other people are talking about. It, it, it's a phone. It lasts all day. It, got, it has a 90 hertz display. It looks nice. Uh, the photos it takes are really nice. Like I, I would, We're going to do a comparison here soon of the two, but... I'm I'm impressed with what this phone's able to do for four ninety nine. Yeah, four ninety nine. That is the big price point. Um, I know you you used a five A a few years ago, um, two oh, years yeah. ago, and this is an appreciable difference. I assume I can only oh, assume. Oh my gosh! I the five A. I'm not even sure. Five A was a strange phone. It didn't really. Yeah, indeed fit in to the mold of what Pixel A phones have been. And that's primarily because that that entire generation before with the 4A 5G and the Pixel 5, those were both already mid-range phones. Like mm-hmm. the Pixel 7A is equivalent, I would say, to the Pixel 5, just in terms of the quality that it brings. Like this is essentially a flagship phone or to the extent that the Pixel 5 was. Uh, the Pixel 5a was just a battery tank. <laughs> yes. I, I could I could run that thing for over two days on a, on a single charge, depending on how much I used it, and if I turned, like, uh, always-on display off. But to only have to charge my phone every other day, that's worth it. I'll take it. I don't care. Or to have a phone that I know will last in case of, a, of an emergency, you know, such an emergency that exactly happened while I was using the Pixel 5a, <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, it's the battery. That's it was it was a underwhelming phone in other regards, except for the battery. It's saving grace. Um, but yeah, the seven A. It's I don't know. It's it looks really good. It's nice colors. The the fifty dollar price increase is more than justified. Google's keeping the six A around. It's. It's a good package. It's quite a good package. Yeah, I mean, it really just comes down to... uh, It just comes down to the camera and the wireless charging. If you don't care about either of those features, get the 6A. But if you want a better camera, the 7A is worth it. it. Absolutely worth it. How about the build? How's the build? Um, It's a... So Google redesigned the mid-frame to be to be simpler and to better withstand drops. That was their big engineering effort for this phone. Um, and of course, it uses a plastic back instead of the glass of the 7. How do you, how are you feeling about that? Feels just fine in the hand. It's it's smooth. I mean, it's, I, I honestly don't know that I would have been able to just immediately tell the difference between the... That could just be uh, my, my own bias though but it, it feels fine it, it, 
it's they're they're both very smooth in the hand that uh, you're not really caring about whether it's plastic or not. Like sometimes you hold plastic and you're like, Ugh, plastic. I know. Yeah. No, this no. doesn't feel like that nasty plastic. Mm. So, it, the, okay, uh, so the metal frame is also like a r- really well done. Like the subtlety of the blue on the C Pixel Seven A. Uh, I, I love it. They, they did a very good job here. Very good colors. So let's put it this way. Um, so the Pixel last year, the Pixel Six A before the Seven, I could definitely say there's an appreci- appreciable difference between the 6A and the 7 in terms of build and quality and all that. There's the Pixel 7. There's the Pixel 7A. Does that raise the ante for the Pixel 8? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, there's going to be ways that Google is going to differentiate that phone. But yeah, I, there, there are people who are talking about whether or not Google's going to release another A-series phone. I'm wondering why they should release another baseline flagship phone. I think they should Ooh. just release Pixel 8 Pro, Pixel 8a, Pixel 9 Pro, Pixel 9a. Like, they, there doesn't need to be a baseline flagship when the A-series is this good. Yeah, it's yeah, especially at the price point, a hundred dollar difference. Um, especially when these phone, when if these phones get discounted, that's hundred dollars. You're basically paying for build quality and hopefully a better camera. And we've well, we've already seen the Pixel Eight and Eight Pro leaks. The Eight Pro is the one getting the that mysterious sensor, which could be lidar. Um, to improve photography or AR use cases. But I don't know if, if like, in boosting, with the A series being so good, are we at a point where, like, in years past, the eight, the, the small, fo- the small flagship needs to be equivalent to the big flagship in terms of at least camera and screen, even to 120. I wonder if we're at a point where. Google has to go back to its previous playbook of having identically f- capable phones with just purely different screen sizes and battery if the A series is that good. I, I just don't see the point in making two uh, two separate models like that. I, th- I think that they've landed on something very good with the, a, so the 7A in that it's a good everyman phone. Like... Mm-hmm. Uh, where previously you would kind of, or as a as a culture, we would kind of look at like the iPhone 14 or whatever, or the Pixel 7, just the baseline one. That's kind of the everyman phone. And then people who were enthusiasts for either side, you would get an upgraded one. Where here I feel like the everyman phone shouldn't be the Pixel 7, but should be the Pixel 7a. It just does everything that you need it to do. And if you don't really care about what your phone can do, this is the one to do to get. It can do all of basic phone things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the 7a. Um, and then there are two other devices of particular note, to say the least. Uh, the Pixel tablet, which is based uh, in short uh it's coming out next month i i think android is really good on it and the software experience with the hub mode and the smart display stuff that is promising uh but the hardware itself um i i'll need more time to use it but basically it's 
Yeah. I speaking of the Pixel Five, I wish that's the coating they used instead of um, mm. this nano ceramic thing they went after. It's it's again like in the time I've had to use the Pixel Tablet, the software looks really good. Um, I've been waiting to use Android, um, the, the Google's version of the Android tablet optimized Android uh, for some time now. So this, uh, what, Sa- what Samsung adds is really just not that. Um, but yeah, the, I'm looking forward to Android tablets for the first time in a really long time since the Nexus 7, honestly. Uh, but yeah, Pixel tablet. I can't wait. Setting aside review units, are, do you plan on buying one? Yes, I have bought one, in fact. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, I had one pre-order. Then. That was my one pre-order excitement. Um, they are pre-order arrangement, rather. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I always think that I'll... Well, we'll see if I follow through, but putting all my movies on a 256 tablet seems doable and just having that as an entertainment <laughs> device makes sense makes sense yeah um the other thing of course is the pixel fold which i'm my stance on foldables is fundamentally the screen technology every time you open and close it, it fundamentally feels like you're breaking it a little bit and i know Base everybody says they've tested it that in in terms of like the usable life of a phone you won't get any issues with the screen but to me there's still a cognitive block um waiting to happen but yeah, yeah uh, i could see that argument for me it's still just a matter of pricing uh yeah. if the pixel fold cost the same as the galaxy fold, z fold 4 i might have thought about it it, it still would have been a stretch for me and I, I, but i would have at least considered it but at the pricing that google's asking for it it's obscene to me like it's double a pixel yeah no i'm, I'm just not gonna do it for me it's i'm too sketched out by foldables to want to pay double to buy one yeah, it's. I. I feel like it. It could really obviate the need for a tablet, um, if, if you can get comfortable with using a foldable, or if heck, if foldables get bigger, I think there is a world where an where what's it seven point six inch screen is probably enough to let you do the tablety things you want to, especially with this aspect ratio that Google is going for on the Pixel Fold. Uh, but at the moment, yeah, not there yet for me. Agreed. Yeah. So yeah, um, the Pixel Fold, Pixel Tablet next month, we will have a lot of thoughts and I'm sure the pod, most of this podcast over the coming weeks is going to be spent discussing that. Um, but yeah, um, until then, this has been Alphabet Scoop. Uh, we're back on a weekly basis. Uh, you can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms and, and non, non selfishly, um, <laughs> we're bringing this back because we want to have a podcast again. But at the same time, I also need a podcast in YouTube podcast in YouTube music podcast to like experiment with. Um, it's, 
YouTube podcast is another top podcast topic for another day. But, ooh, that's not going far yet. It's just not there yet. And let's see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, this is a uh, this has been delightful, and uh, thank you to all our listeners for joining us. And we hope to see you again in the near future. And uh, yep. please feel free to reach out with any comments, feedback, anything you just want to hear hear us talk about on the show. Let us know. We're we're open. Yep. Until next time. Bye. See ya. Mm-hmm.